Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome you back to Daybreak Devotions here from the McLeansville Baptist Church. Pastor Mike Barnett and Pastor Corey Cantrell with you on this Wednesday morning. And very delighted to have you on board and delighted to finally have the old AP, Corey Cantrell, back for two days in a row. And you've brought your creative juices flowing today. I tried to. I've got to get them <laughs> back pumping because there's a lot of stuff to do. And so got to be on the game. Yeah, and yesterday you were saying that you were still having some jet lag. I was in a little bit of a fog, um, but it's beginning to dissipate. Well, that, that uh, summer sunshine will help dissipate fog. Sure will. Of course, it could put you in a coma as well. Yeah, yes, it can. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're glad you're here with us on this Wednesday morning, and I am very excited to continue this study in Second Peter chapter 1. Now, today when we move to verse number 6, we have talked about adding to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Today we're going to be adding to our knowledge temperance. And there is so much to say about this. But you asked me before we started today, did I have a Wednesday word of the week? And I said, well, no, I actually don't. But then thinking about, well, the word really is temperance. I mean, we're, that's what we're going to be studying and talking about today. But we've come to this conclusion, all of us. Me, you, the listener, we all have things we struggle with in life. And as we unpack the meaning of temperance today, we're going to understand that we struggle with things like bad habits and addictions. We struggle with being able to control ourselves, our thoughts and our behaviors. So we all have something. There's some area of our life we really wrestle with that. So our word today is actually going to be the word stop. Okay, But have you ever thought about a good definition for the word stop? can't say that I have. I tried once, and then I quit. Uh, well, if you were going to try, how would you define the word stop? Now, I have a reason for asking this. Okay. So how would you define stop then? I would say to cease operation. Well, I was able to pull up the word stop on Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. And when you think about stop, we're going somewhere with this. Oh, it'll be real educational. But the word stop, of course, is a verb. But the number one definition that, that Webster has back then, old Noah Webster, was to close something by filling or by obstructing it. Hmm. So to stop so it, like, like stop, stop up something. yeah, uh, Or then to obstruct or to hinder or to restrain or to repress or to put an end to any motion or action. Now, that's what we typically think of. Yeah. But that's like the eighth definition that Webster had given back in 1828, to put an end to any motion or action. But just kind of as an interesting thing to meditate on, if you were to work your way back through those first seven things he said, I think it gives a lot of perspective into what it means to practice temperance in our life. Now, we're going to, uh, we thought, since this is a, psychological thing as well. In other words, in psychology, I'll mention this again in a moment, but in psychology, they teach that this whole idea of self-control, i.e. temperance, is a brain function. Mm -hmm. So we thought we would get the help of a psychologist or psychiatrist to help us define our word of the week stop and help us understand what we should do in order to control these bad behaviors. Let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I um I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. 
and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can... I uh, can't remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. <laughs> so, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny... I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. Well, there you have it. Now, that's funny. And for those of you that aren't aware of what that was, that was a little segment skit from Bob Newhart. But uh, I was thinking as he's doing that, there's two sides to that, right? Sure. There's the reality that the only way to overcome that kind of a, what's a habit, addiction, thought pattern, whatever we want to call it, is literally to stop it. Mm-hmm. But it is never that simple. <laughs> and especially when we have things in our life that are just deeply ingrained and they've been formed over years and years and years, or maybe they're connected to something deep inside of our, our heart and our mind, uh, traumatic experiences, whatever it may be. And we, we can't go into all those uh, ins and outs and possibilities today, but I thought it would be worth saying that you know it's just not that easy to stop it, and so I'm glad that we can discuss this thing of temperance today. But as we said, uh, but if you look at this, Peter's really emphasizing the things we're to add to our life, not really talking a lot about the stuff we're supposed to stop doing. And I want to make this point right at the get-go. If we will add the temperance, the right kind of Bible, Spirit-given temperance into our life, it will, but by default, help us to remove those things from our life. And so I made this point probably last week in the broadcast introducing this whole series, but it is really about adding. The Bible tells us to add some things and do away with some things. But the more we add the things of Christ into our life, we are by default pushing out the stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't belong there. Peter, again, tells us that we're to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. So temperance, what is this thing? I think the way I would say this is to our substantive, excellent belief of God from which we follow Jesus in our daily life, we now are to add to or furnish this temperance. So we've already established that we have this substantive, that is knowledge, 
and excellent, that is virtue, belief. That is our faith. And that is how we're walking with Christ. That's how we're becoming the man that God has made us to be in Jesus. But now we've, we've got to add this thing of temperance to it. Now, I mentioned to you earlier, in this progression to becoming the man or the woman that we're made to be in Christ, I think that so far, as Peter has laid this out, we've encountered two of the biggest hurdles. The first hurdle is adding to faith virtue. Because so many people in, in church, in the church, so many people in, in, uh, in Christ, in our day and time, have faith, but have never added or not, have not much added to their faith. And so their life is just, well, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I believe the Bible's God's word, all of which is wonderful, all of which is necessary. But they've never added the excellence to their faith. They've never developed the kind of faith. They've never furnished that, that faith with the proper things to become the kind of person that's going out and doing bold things in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. And so none of this is, is strictly linear. So to the listener, if you, you know, can get that image in your mind, it's not like here's point A at, at the bottom of the chart and then we are progressing in this straight-up line that continues to always grow and that's not even exactly what I'm trying to say because not only is it not linear it's not just you have to make one point to get to the next point yeah it's not a staircase right like I don't have to one. climb this step okay I mastered this one mm-hmm. now I can begin climbing yeah. the next one yeah I think Peter is giving us that image but I don't think he's meaning to give this dogmatic image right so in other words I think that there are people who have gained some knowledge of God but still living at a kind of baseline faith because you can gain knowledge. You can even have, let's go down the line a little bit or or up the the chart a little bit. You can have some brotherly kindness about you, but it's never going to be the mature, fully, fully developed level that God wants to take us into unless we go through this kind of a progression of Mm -hmm. spiritual growth and formation. So the first hurdle is adding virtue to faith. But I think the second biggest hurdle that comes along in our journey is this adding to knowledge temperance. Because once we have believed on Jesus and we've grown in our faith so that we have stepped out uh, trusting the Lord and we've seen God do some great things, we've begun to gain understanding through experience with God. We know him. We know what he's doing. We've learned how to discern his mind and leadership. But now we've encountered, like, head-on some of these things in our life that we just have a problem overcoming. Mm -hmm. And we're dealing with the carnal nature, the innate um, sensuality, fleshliness of of Adam. Yeah, it's almost like it's the stuff about us that we have always not liked, but now we're starting to realize, first of all, just how deep those things are, and second of all— Oh man, the reason that I have these struggles, the reason that I have this is because of all of this other stuff that I never was connecting the dots. And so if I want to deal with the stuff that I don't like, I'm actually going to have to focus on these these other things that are present that oh, this is a whole lot more serious than I thought it was. Like I th- I thought it was just as simple as XYZ, but I'm actually realizing there's 23 other letters of the alphabet that I got to deal with before I can ever even touch X Y and Z. I was just thinking about this word temperance, and it is a such a rare word in Scripture, like the Greek word. The Greek word is inkratia, 
and it is only used, I was trying to remember, but I think about four times. Two of them are right here, you know, add to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. So that, that tells you something. Peter uses it really just this one occasion, and where are the other two places that it's used? Is one of them, is it the same word when Paul is talking, and yep. it talks about how he is it Acts chapter 20 or something? Something like that. Was he re- told Festus Felix. Felix? Fe- okay. Yeah, Festus and Felix. One he of was them. either at Gunsmoke or, <laughs> you know, reading the comics, but he told one of them. But yeah, he reasoned of, was it faith, temperance, and judgment to come? So, or righteousness, temperance, yeah. and judgment to come? Like because we've talked about that before. Like, wow, why, why temperance? But this is a rare word. The only other place you'll find it is in Galatians 5, where the, the fruit, of, fruit the of the Spirit, Spirit. is listed. But it literally is the word that means self-control. So we have words like moderation. We have words like, um, how does James say it? Bridleth the tongue, which mm-hmm. is speaking of the same type of thing. But this actual word, not used a whole lot, but it, it means self-control. Uh, we would think of words like continence, um, the ability to control yourself, temperance, of course, being the, the Bible word here. Now, here's the thing. The root word that, that this is based on is the word kratos, and I just thought it was interesting. I don't know how much to try to develop this or where to take it. But that word means vigor or power. But you think about this. The greatest power that a person can have is the power over themselves. Mm-hmm. That is the toughest thing to master. I mean, we can you can put me in charge of a project, and I could probably, you know, I can exercise some good control. You put people under me, I might can exercise some pretty good control. Uh, and maybe be a good leader. But if I fail in the project or if I fail in leading other people, it is because I first failed to control myself. Every time, that's where it begins. But I thought it was interesting that Peter uses this word kratos, and once again, the Greeks had a, a, a god of their mythology whose name was Kratos, and he was the god of strength. And, and I just think, you know, Peter's already used the word erete, and now Kratos and, and the Greeks have gods named after all this. So if nothing else, maybe the application of that is there is an understanding that these capabilities are not innate to fallen human nature. Mm-hmm. For us to have the kind of virtue Peter's talking about and the kind of temperance he's talking about, the Greeks said we got to draw that from our gods. Yeah. We say, no, we've got to draw that from our God. Yeah. And by the way, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, they're, they're divine qualities. But I think the hopeful thing is, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, all of these others, their deities were unknowable. They were not engaged. They, they kind of messed around with humanity just on a whim and to their own malicious pleasures. And that's what separates us so much. Is, and I, I, I didn't know that about Peter's connection, like as far as like with the words and the significance, like with the Greek gods and stuff. But again, to, to pour out the fact all Peter is teaching is, look, we serve this God who is knowable, who is engaged, who offers these divine qualities that the whole world is looking to try to acquire. And there is a way that we can get them, but it's in accordance with the plan that God has set out. And we do it his way, and he withholds nothing back to those that are willing to follow that way. Mm-hmm. And why it's such a big hurdle is because it's living closer to that graduate-level Christianity that we talk about. I don't know that all temperance has to be graduate level. I mean, I hope that when we come to Christ, we immediately start practicing some temperance. There may be things that we used to do that we just stop doing. Mm-hmm. And we get the grace 
and it is by grace. All of it is. That's because that that's where all this starts, right? He grace and peace be multiplied unto you. So it starts with the grace of God working in us. But there's things that we gain some, you know, we gain that 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 power from the mm-hmm. Lord to control, and I'm going to stop doing that, and I stop it. There's other things that it just takes a long walk with God, a lot of work, a lot of effort. That's a word we're appreciating and not running from. And you look at the progression of this, having faith is key. Adding to faith that that quality of excellence, of really beginning to believe God for like hard things, impossible things. And then adding to that knowledge, I'm beginning to understand more about what God expects out of me. I'm beginning to understand more of the kind of person Jesus was, the character he had, and I'm sensing the spirits working in me. So all of that is necessary to be able to get to the place where I'm actually living with Mm self-control and temperance. So it's not something that, by and large, you just wake up as a brand-new Christian and say, I got this together. The self is now under control. No, you can't, I can't talk about temperance and not think of the story of the prodigal son. And as we have said before, neither one of the the boys, neither one of the sons, really was doing very well with self-control. You know, one of them goes off living in riotous living, goes off and wastes his substance on riotous living. The other one stays home but can't control the anger Mm -hmm. and the the bitterness that he has. It was a lack of self-control. So if those both of those boys picture believers in the Father's rule and, and, and way, hey, we all are struggling with those things. But I think, too, with as you're talking about the, the prodigals and the, the illustration there, it's unchecked passions. And isn't that what so often gets us in trouble where we are the most intemperate is our, our unchecked and unbridled passions. And we just consume based on the lust. So whether it's, again, like the, the elder brother, the passion of anger and, and self-righteousness and in comparing ourselves to other people and not taking the time to consider, as Scripture so often teaches us, or whether it's you know just living and consuming whatever we want to do because, hey, I deserve, I deserve this. I've earned this. It's, it's been a tough time. I'm just going to kind of do this. But it's those unchecked passions that is what so often gets us in trouble. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, you know, we were joking by bringing in the, the little clip, but psychology says that self-control, if you read you know, some of the stuff in that field, they say that self-control is the ability to manage our impulses and our emotions and our actions or behaviors. But they say that that's what distinguishes us humans from animals. In other words, I, I think what they're saying is animals largely act on instinct, mm-hmm. like hungry eat, you know, sleep or tired sleep, that kind of stuff. Uh, afraid bite, okay, defend. But I got to tell you, <laughs> human nature doesn't often operate much differently from that animalistic behavior. Mm-mm. Now, do we have the capability? Yes, because as the psychologist will say, the ability to exercise the mind, to plan and problem solve and make good choices, they say that's in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. That's where that function is. But again, if you leave us just to what the brain's capable of doing, we got some messed up brains. Yep. Our thinking's not always very healthy, and we literally do have the effects of trauma in life. Um, so there's got to be something more. And as you have brought up in, in the way you were saying it earlier, you're using language of the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, impulse, desire, you know, operating from that place of longing, the exercise of the will, all those are heart things. 
Aristotle said that self-control is what lies, in other words, the way that he's going to define this, self-control, he says, what lies in our power to do lies in our power not to do. But now think about that. How well are we operating within that power on any given day? You know, I can I can raise my voice, but I also have the power not to raise my voice. Yep. You know, Dallas Willard said, and this is one of those that just like burned into my soul when I heard him say it. Um, he says, is all anger sin? No, but anything you can do with anger, you can do better without it. Right? And that's that's a self-control thing. Right. Uh, this is a hard thing. So here, here's the question, that, one a question that crossed my mind. Where do we struggle the most in terms of temperance? Like what, what pops in your head? Like, and we understand our nature and human nature and even what the Bible teaches. And our entertainment, our, our lust. Our th- yeah, okay. Well, put that, under, put that under this word, appetite. Yeah. Our appetites. I come up with two things immediately when I had that question. I had thought, thought that. Where, where do we struggle the most? First thing I thought of was our tongue. Yep. We have a hard time controlling our tongue. I referenced that earlier. James said, you know, you find a man that seems to be religious but bridles not his tongue, that man's still got some work to do. I, James, or Peter, check it, Peter chapter 1, that's what we see there. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about the appetite. You know, Proverbs 23, 2, if thou be a man given to appetite, put a knife to thy throat. Yeah. It's kind of a crude image, but God's pretty serious about this thing, right? Uh, don't we're not supposed to just give in to that that carnal desire that lust for more and uh, we need to learn with God's help how to exercise temperance so we're bringing into the conversation here all kinds of things like temptation the will addictions habits that uh, that that affect our our living um, Socrates made a connection between knowledge and temperance when he says there is no difference between knowledge and temperance for he who knows what is good and embraces it, who knows what is bad and avoids it, is learned and temperate. Now, the reason I say that is Socrates makes that connection between knowledge and temperance, and Peter connects them here, too, in this verse. And I think it's just understanding that the, the role of knowledge and increasing in the knowledge of God is what is most going to facilitate my being able to live with temperance. Mm-hmm. They're just they're connected, in other words. And I, th- I think there's a there's a genius in the way it's written in the Bible, obviously, you know, if it's God's Word inspired by the Spirit. But uh, I, I even noticed that Thomas Aquinas does the same type of thing when he says temperance is simply a disposition of the mind which binds the passion. So temperance is an attitude of my mental life which will then put a restraint on my, my desire. Okay, mm-hmm. it's the heart being in conjunction, working with the mind. Yeah, you know, God give us the mind. What did Peter say? Or not Peter, but Tim, uh, Paul to Timothy. He said, "God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." I believe when he says "sound mind," there he is speaking of self-control, mm-hmm. and so that connection runs throughout the scriptures. It runs throughout um, philosophy and psychology. So here's the final question: Then, how do we get this? How do we obtain this temperance in our life? What are the steps that we could take? Is there four or five things we can do? I'm just going to list to you four things I wrote down, okay? And with every other virtue or, or part of this we've, we've talked about, I've started with this, giving all diligence, because that's where Peter starts. So once again, I'm going to say, 
We Whatever it is that we're going to do to gain temperance and grow in that, we've got to give it earnest effort. You can't do this halfway. You can't do this without expecting it to be a fight. So right now, think, where are your biggest struggles? Where are you really wrestling with self-control? You know, where are the habits you're, you just cannot break? Okay? You're going to have to put a lot of work into that. It's going to take more than just a decision. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some action. It's going to take some virtuous faith. It's going to take some knowledge, but you've got to put the work in. The second thing you're going to have to do is you're certainly going to have to pray. Now, I know that sounds like a, a given, but if we understand that, that temperance is part of the fruit of the Spirit, then I should and can ask for it. So when I think about this area of my life where I don't have a lot of self-control, that's an area I specifically bring to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, I need temperance. I need your gift of temperance. I need that fruit of temperance that comes from the life and mind of Christ to be manifest in my life in this area, and we have to be very specific about it. So prayer is a very key part of, of temperance. Thirdly, I thought of this, the importance of spiritual disciplines. We've really just got to understand that cultivating the heart and mind and body into the, the pursuit of transformation into Christ-likeness is, is, is absolutely necessary in terms of developing temperance in our life. Let me give you a reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. I won't read the whole thing, but Paul does say there that we're to run that we may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery, that's kratos, I don't, now I'm going to be fair, I don't know that that's the Greek word he uses there, but that that's temperance, that self-control is to master, to, to have mastery of something. So it is, in essence, it is that kratos. If I'm mm-hmm. going to have that strength, I have to be temperate in all things. And then he goes on to describe how that we have to put, we, we run not as uncertainly, we fight not as one that beateth the air, there's that effort, and we keep the body under and bring it into subjection. This is the discipline that the Bible teaches us we need to have. So our spiritual disciplines across the board are essential to this. And number four, this is the thing I mentioned earlier. The best way to fight in terms of learning self-control is surrender. Now, the way we often fail is we surrender. But we surrender by not fighting. Mm-hmm. That's what gets us in trouble. We throw up the white flag and say to the temptation, you know, I, I just, man, it's been a long day. I deserve this. Yep. Whatever. But the way we fight with surrender is we turn to God and we say, Lord, I surrender this desire. Right now I surrender this, this, this longing inside of me or this ache inside of me, this want inside of me. I bring it to you, and I give it to you. I'm surrendering it to you right now. So I'm in my prayer. I'm in my spiritual discipline. I'm putting forth the effort. I'm probably going to get some victory. But I I think it would be an injustice to to go off the air with this one and say that, friends, if you'll do these four things, you'll never go wrong. Because we have to go back to the first thing I said. This is going to be work. Yep. This is going to be work. And some things are easy. Some things are easier. And some things are really going to be lifetime battles. God will give you victory. The victory is coming, and uh, we just got to put forth that effort, stay in there, and practice this thing. Okay, I'm out of time. We better close this out. So have a great day, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 
thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.